everybody here. <laughs> so many people have just poured into me over the years, and you know, I still every time I come up, I'm still nervous because I'm I, I'm just I'm so honored to speak, you know. Uh, and you know, when I come up here, I always my my goal is to impress you with you, and what you already have, and the treasure that's in this, these earthen vessels that's inside of every one of us. And the completeness, it says that we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you can't grow in completeness. You know, you can grow in your awareness of it. And so I always just hope to uh, commun- communicate that. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I was going to talk about uh, what the rest, entering God's rest. You know, there's, there's this divine invitation that we see in Hebrews that says to enter my rest today, 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 which is every day we get this invitation to enter his rest, that God's been beckoning from the very beginning to enter his rest. But, you know, uh, what, does that, what does that mean? You know, I, th- I, I think for a long time there are so many words in the Bible that they're just so obscure. They're kind of esoteric. Like, what is righteousness? Well, what, you know, what, so, to, to some people that's to read, I don't know, three chapters out of the Old Testament every day and one out of the New and a King James Version of the Bible. You know, I'm, you know, that's what I used to think, you know, it's so, like you do, you do something to become righteous or whatever. And then the other person sees it another way. Uh, what's, what's love, you know, what's gl- the glory. Uh, some of these terms that for what are sometimes can seem kind of just out there and ethereal and, you know, there's no substance really to them for a long time. And, uh, one of those for me was rest, you know, I mean, uh, what is rest? Uh, I think my, my wife and I were kind of talking about that. Uh, that, you know, often like rest, you, you, when you're sick or something, or you're totally exhausted, you've been overworked and to, you know, you, you just are, envision rest being just laying on the couch all day doing nothing. And we were kind of talking about when, you know, when we were younger, uh, and, and this is probably going to reveal my age a little bit, but when we were younger and you, you were sick, you know, and you, and you, couldn't go to school and your, your parents told you to just stay home and rest. You'd lay on the couch all day and you'd watch TV. And usually the only thing that would be on was Bob Ross. And I, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bob Ross, but I mean, uh, it's for some people who've never heard of him. It's the guy with a little fro who paints and he just, you know, it's, it's just so therapeutic to just watch him paint. And it, it kind of tied into what I was going to talk about. But I used to, we would, and resting on the couch, I'd just be laying there. And man, that guy, there was just something on him that was so restful, you know. And he'd like, he'd be taught, he'd be, you know, at first he'd draw these, first thing, happy little tree over here, you know. And it's a, it's a brilliant, oh, there's the sun, brilliant sun. Just trying to do his voice a little bit. But I mean, it, he would just kind of, do all of these things, and the painting would start come together into focus, and you could see from you know things that just were lines to to, to trees, and then to you know uh, to uh, bushes, to a stream, to the reflection of the stream, to the depths of it, and then he signs his name off on it, and uh, it, it reminds me of God's creation, you know. And it's, I always go back to creation because, like Rifle said, uh, out of his fullness, you know, out of the overflow, out of the uh, trini- Trinitarian dance, creation came out. And, uh, and so I, I always go back to that because I think it's just, it's just 
to see God's one seamless thought all the way up until this present moment. It's the, he was never caught off guard by anything, you know? And so you, you see in creation uh, God, and I just imagine this giant canvas across the whole universe. And, you know, he, he paints, let there be light. And it was good, you know? And then he goes and he, and he says, uh, you know, on the second day, let there be sea and, you know, and land. And he divides the sea from the land and he paints that. Uh, third day, let there be grass and, and trees. And he's painting this masterpiece. And it was good. And it was good. Uh, let there be the, the sun, the moon, the stars. And it was good. Let there be uh, fish in the sea and birds in the sky. And it was good. And let there be uh, cattle and all the uh, creepy things and everything on the earth. And it was good. And then we see something change when he talks about man, you know? And... Uh, He's about to sign off and to put his name on this masterpiece. And he says, let us create man and woman in our image, in our likeness. Let us create man and women. And he creates man and woman. He says, it's very good. It's very good. And then, he, and then, and then that's creation. And he goes into rest. And, and he goes into his rest. And so what does that mean? And, uh, you know, for the longest time, I, I just kind of had this idea that, Man, like, j- just, just like I always thought, as kind of having a skewed view of God, that humanity's always burdensome to God. You know, that he, like, oh, man, now he created man, and I'm just like, poof, I'm wiped out. I'm going, I'm just can't, I'm going to take a break. And sits down, and he goes into his Sabbath rest. Until the fall, and then he's got to punch back into work. You know, and he's like, because he was caught off guard by that, you know. And he was, oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? They, they sinned. I, I, I got to send Jesus. I got, but no, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. And be, when he created, he saw, and he saw the day, and he saw with the day of redemption, and he said, it is good, and he enters his rest. And if we can put that verse from Zephaniah, it's actually in your, uh, in your pamphlet. Uh, but this verse in Zephaniah, this is the mirror translation. He says that, he rests in his love and spins around in delight and jubilant joy at the thought of you. So God's rest is celebrating perfection. When he created, he went into a celebration, into a dance, spinning over his creation and, and just enjoying it. And just look, I was, I was watching my son uh, uh, the other day. And I've just, I've just been appreciating things so much more the, uh, over the last couple of years to where I, you know, just uh, uh, appreciating being a father and a husband and a friend and uh, just loving humanity and loving God's creation and seeing the glory in everything, every, uh, every bush on, on fire with the glory of God. And I'm sitting, and my house is a little bit, uh, it goes down a hill, so when you're on the first floor, you can see, look way down uh, to the outside backyard, and my son was playing. And I was just like, I was just watching him. It was just beautiful. You know, just watching him and, and, and just enjoying him. And I, I, I wanted to knock on the window. And I was like, I don't, I just, it's too precious. I, I don't want to interrupt anything he's doing. And I just want to watch him. And so I watched him. And it was funny when he came inside because I was like, I was watching you playing. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I, and I, and I was like, I almost knocked on the window. And he's like, he, I, wanted you, I wanted you to. Yeah, I wish you would knock on the window. You know, he, he just wanted to join that moment with me. 
and enter that moment with me. And I get this idea that God is just, was so just ecstatic with his creation that to enter his rest is to see things the way he sees them. And to see through his eyes. We've been talking about this for years, about repentance and metanoia and changing our minds to see things the way that he sees them. And so that it says that we were made, man was made in his image and likeness. So, uh, Zach, if you could put that first image up. I, I love, again, I, I, I always like to define words and what words mean. And uh, so when when. We were created in his likeness. We were created r- righteous, right? We were, original innocence became before the fall. And the word for righteousness in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word, zadok, which actually comes from the, uh, the beam that balances a scale. And so if you could just kind of take this image is that we are created in his likeness. In, uh, in the New Testament, the word is dike. It comes from uh, fi- uh, two parties finding likeness in each other. And this is the way that it said that Adam and Eve were created in this dance, in this finding likeness in each other. And they were, they were naked and they were not ashamed. And they lived out of this, this kind of uh, dance, enjoying just being. And then they were, the, the, the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies came to them and said, you know what, you're not really like God, but if you do this, you will be more like God. And Adam fell in his mind, and that's when the scales tipped. If we go, go to the next one. When Adam lived, decided to live, Adam and Eve decided to live from the do-it-yourself tree, the I am not tree, but if you do this, you will be more like God. It's when the scales became unbalanced, you know? And this is the, the, the kind of the path that a lot of us has been on ever since, is that we got to do in order to be. You know, uh, that we got to kind of find a way to balance out these scales in our own strength, in our own behavior, in our own obedience, and live up to this, right? Instead of uh, uh, just, just being and enjoying the dance and seeing, entering God's rest. And so, you know, uh, basically we get this story when we, uh, probably the... Uh, one of the longest portions that talks about God's rest is in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. And he's talking about what happened in the wilderness, right? And he shows this story in the Old Testament when he's teaching Hebrews. So, you know, it's really talking about the, the Old and the New Covenant. And he's basically teaching about, the, uh, about what happened while the Israelites were in the wilderness. And it's interesting because there's a verse, I'm, I'm not going to go to it, but it's in... Uh, Exodus, and it says, these Egyptians, God says to the Israelites, these Egyptians that you see today that are chasing you, that are hunting you down, you will never, never see them again. Never see them again. You, you will be fully delivered. But what happens? What, what happens to them? They're, they're, they can't blame Egypt for what's going on in the wilderness. And they can't blame God for it because he's providing for them provision every single day. He's showing them miracles every single day. They're, they're going through the Red Sea. They're baptized in the Sea of Moses. Uh, provision every single day. They're, they're, uh, it says the spiritual rock that was Christ is following them throughout the wilderness. But God says they never entered my rest because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. We can't, we, we can't go into the promised land. Because we're grasshoppers. 
And we, we, we can't enter that, that rest yet because of this inferior mindset of that never allowed them to see themselves the way God saw them. And so they lived in this inferior mi- mindset, and it says, look, it, they, they never ent- God said there's still a rest. They never entered that rest. And they were experiencing all this stuff. And I think that can so easily happen that we can, you know, God's, God's with us. You know, he, like, we're, we're temples of the living God. He's always with us. We can experience, uh, you know, whatever miracles and whatever provision and get words and all that and still have an f- inferior mindset that keeps us from entering this rest and seeing us the way that God sees us. And I think that what you see with Adam and specifically is that man was made in the image of God, and what we try to do is create God in the image of man. And everything that we experience and that we feel, we define God that way. So if I feel guilty about something, God's angry. You know, uh, if I feel lonely, God's at a distance. You know, and, and we start with ourselves and the way we feel, and we start defining, like, try to believe in this and, and create a God in, in our own image. God doesn't change, you know. Even, even in the Old Testament, which has been one of the greatest things that I found uh, just studying, and, and, and I used to, like, had the hardest time reconciling the, the God of the Old Testament with Jesus. I, I could never do it. I was just like, I because I always had this thought in the back of my head that there's that other God over there somewhere. Even though there, the father, he, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I had this other like, kind of negative view of God hiding behind that was, I was always afraid of. No matter how good Jesus was, no matter how much grace he was about, uh, forgiveness, all of that, I was afraid of this other God. But at what I come to realize is that, that Jesus Christ, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It was man's mind that was slowly changing. There's actually a verse when uh, David takes a census that in uh, the book of Samuel, when he takes the census, it says that God told him to go take the census. And then you read a little bit later in Chronicles, it says that the devil tempted him to do it. So you see that their perspective was changing over God's involvement in some of the stuff that he thought he, that he did before. You get what I'm saying? So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Israelites' mind was ch- slowly changing about God. God was always the same. Okay? I mean, the, 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 even the old to the new covenant, the old creation to the new creation, it was one seamless thought. The new was always going to come out of the old. God knew this. And so we have this uh, the, uh, experience of having these, this scale unbalanced and trying to uh, do and perform and live in this inferior mindset uh, that basically we... that. We define ourselves with. So, you know, you, maybe you string together three good days. I'm righteous. And then you, ha- then you have a bad day. Oh, well, not, now I'm not righteous anymore. You know, and, it's, and it all becomes experience-based and the, uh, uh, introspective, self-focused, focus within ourselves. And finally, we have Jesus who comes uh, to basically free us from this. If we could go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is one of my favorite verses. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
So when Jesus comes uh, for the longest time, I think I looked at it as Jesus came doing something for us and we got to try to be like him. But it says that we both behold him not in a window that, man, maybe someday I can be like that. No, we behold him as in a mirror. As in a mirror. We, he came to show us our true faces. He came, we were never made in the image of Adam. We were made in the image of God. Jesus was always the blueprint. And we are created in that image. And he came to show that likeness back that the, uh, uh, the human body wasn't an inferior place for the glory of God to dwell. And so we show, and we see this from glory to glory. From, again, what, what does glory mean? I used to have like, that uh, just seems so like, okay, the glory falls here. Maybe it's somewhere over here, you know. But if you actually, I have the uh, Greek word from glory to glory on the uh, pamphlet. It's apodoxis ace doxin. So uh, doxa is the name for glory. So it goes, it's saying that we go from doxa to doxa. And what, basically what doxa mean, it's an intent opinion. So we are going apodoxa, away from an opinion, away from an inferior opinion to arrive and conclude at God's opinion of us. That's what from glory to glory means. Okay, we're not just like growing from glory and then more glory and then glory and we're not complete, but one day we'll glory, more glory, glory, glory. No, we've arrived. We've left an inferior opinion of ourselves based on works to arrive at his opinion from us. From faith, his faith, what he believes about us to our own faith. From faith to faith. It's up, it's, it's, if, if, we, if we have to repent, we got to know what he thinks about us. We can't start at ourselves. And try to do it all ourselves and try to, you know, what, what does God think about us? His, he's, in these last days, he's spoken through sonship. He's spoken through his son. That's the fi- his final word for humanity. It's, uh, it's in the language of sonship. And, he's, and we've arrived at this position of glory where we can simply just live from God's perspective and God's opinion about us. Which is, uh, you know, it's... It, it, it's, it's a lot better than trying to live from this constant tree, a law tree of trying to climb up and defining ourselves by our own experience from the law, uh, from our successes, which are good, but also our failures that, you know, I, what, what was it like Thomas Edison said, like the light bulb, he failed like, you know, however many times we, we fail in life, you know, but we're, that doesn't define us. God defines us. You know, it says that if we deny him, Let's, let's put this up here, because this, this verse has got to be taken apart here. Uh, let's look at uh, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we un- endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Oh, boy. If we are faithless, he remains Faithful. Because he can't deny himself. So we got this word deny. Oh, man. This, this used to, again, I, I used to get, like, read some of these and just be, like, undone. Uh, you know, whipping me, so nervous about all this. What do I do? You know, so, so terrified by these scriptures. If we deny him, it actually, the correct translation would be more like if we contradict him. If we contradict what he believes about us. 
okay? Think about what it is saying. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, he died humanity's death. I've come to the conclusion that if one man died for all, all died. He died humanity's death. We shall also live with him. So this is a reality. This is the reality that we live in. But if we contradict him, he also will contradict us. Because even when we remain faithless, he's full of faith about you. He's fully persuaded about us. He's fully persuaded about who we are. Because when he went and he sat and he went into that rest, he said, it's very good. And he saw the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. And that we were going to uh, be clothed in that. And that Jesus was going to find the lost coin, the lost sheep, the, the lost son, all found safe and sound. How many people would you say in the city of Richmond or some of these countries have not been, you know, uh, believe, become believers or whatever? And yet when one leaves the 99, he's going to go all the way till he finds it. What does he believe? What does God believe? He's fully persuaded about us. Even when we can, and, and believe me, I, it happens to me. I'm not, you know above any of this. I'm saying when we see contradiction in our life, he's persuaded. He's fully persuaded that he cannot deny himself. He remains full of faith about you. And so we start, we start engaging the mindset of God. We start engaging what he believes. And that's, that's kind of what it, the, the mirror image is. You know, beholding him as in a mirror and we see our face and it's just such a, like a, a natural, effortless life that things just start transforming. I, you know, things that I've, I've maybe struggled with before, I'd, I don't even notice when they stop. But one day I just notice. I'm like, wow, that's, you know. And I wasn't thinking about it. I was just being. I wasn't doing. And uh, so I, 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 I'm, just, I, I'm just blown apart by how the goodness of God. Do you think that we're someday going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, man, you overested me. You, 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 you probably thought a little bit too highly about the, the, the creator of everything and, and just the goodness of God. You probably should have toned it down a little bit. I think we're going to have our minds just... He says, one day we'll know as we've always been known. As we've always been known. One day... We'll see, we'll, the, the glass, the, the, uh, it'll, it'll totally be removed, and we'll see him as he is, and then will we know that we've always been known, and we've, he's always seen us a certain way. Speaking of Super Bowl Sunday, I feel like, you know, it's like catching a football. You know, we're, we're in fellowship with a mystery, a very deep mystery, and you'll never get your hands in this life fully around it, but the mystery has us. The answer has us. And we don't need to become so problem-focused to try to figure out everything because we're in fellowship with this mystery, with the answer. And so one of my uh, things that uh, it's just really blown my mind, again, the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Well, Jesus, three accounts, three gospels, I think minus John, the other uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He says that there be some, in all three accounts, there's going to be some here that will not taste death until they see the kingdom come in power. And then he takes them up into the mountain, James, John, Peter. 
Jesus that they, this, this Jesus that they know that, that to them right now, that, you know, yeah, I think maybe Peter had uh, the revelation that came from God, but he also got a revelation from Satan like two se- seconds later. Uh, so he doesn't know, even know what he's saying, which happened a lot. I like Peter. I can kind of, I can associate with him, definitely. But, uh, so he takes them up, and Jesus, in his, in his humanity, he pulls back, he pulls back the flesh, the veil, and the glory just radiates, showing that it's not an inferior temple where God resides now. The mystery that was hidden in bread from the beginning, there's never been any area of this creation that's been kingdomless. It's always been there, but we've just slowly, the mustard seed that grows, and it grows, and it grows, until all the birds come and fly in, you know, into the tree. But Jesus pulls forth, uh, pulls and radiates, and they can see him. He's shining with, with the glory. And Peter wants to build temples again, going right back to an old way of doing things. Well, the glory, uh, let's, let's build a temple, one for Moses one for Elijah, law, prophets, and then one for you. And God interrupts him while he's speaking. This is my son. Listen to him. You know? And so he's, he's showing them. He's showing that the, our, uh, this treasure is in earthen vessels. The uh, name for earthen vessels, ost- ostrakinos. Ostrakinos, where we get the word oyster. So thinking of like a, a pearl that's inside the oyster. You know, when it's... <laughs> The pearl adds, I mean, you, if you know that's inside there, you don't care what that oyster looks like on the outside, man. You, that, that pearl adds value. Because when the, uh, the, the man found the treasure in the field, he hid it again and sold everything that he had, and then he bought the whole field. And he redeemed it all. He bought the whole field. And that, the, uh, the treasure, the pearl that we have, adds value to, 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 who we, to, all, of, to all of us. I mean, it, it, the, the whole body. He was showing that this is not an inferior place for God to reside. You know, no more temple building. He, he lives inside of us. And he says in John 17, in case they didn't get it there, because I don't think they quite did yet, he says, God, he's praying out loud, and he says, I, I love when Jesus prays that loud, because he's saying, listen to the, I, I, God, I know you always hear me. They need to hear me. They need to hear what I'm saying. And so he's uh, praying out loud, probably the greatest prayer, at least that's recorded, that Jesus prayed, because it's he's, he's covering all his bases. I, I, them, to those who believe their word, you know, it, it gets, he gets everybody in this prayer. And he says, if, let's go to it. Uh, let's uh, go to John 17, uh, Zach. I think it's 20 through 24. Okay, so it says, uh, can we go to 20? Okay, so here we go. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. All of us. I'm praying. So he's praying for us right now. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In the glory which you gave me, I have given them. 
He's, give, he's given it. It's in past tense. But look what he says a little bit later. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Can we go to the next verse? I believe it is. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. So he first says, it's already given to them. But he, he knows that, you know, sometimes we can be hard-headed and not see it. See it. So he says, I pray that also that they may behold that the glory is already there. That it's already within each one of us. And uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things sometimes I feel that it can almost be... And, and, and I'm, speaking, I'm speaking for myself, but in some ways when I didn't really have a grasp on what some of these words meant and, you know, that it can become a little escapist, you know, like we, like we need to see the glory in each other, we, in the poor. Like uh, Mother Teresa, wow, how did you do what you did? How did you live in Calcutta for all those years and, and just pour your life out? He says, I, 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 I went there and I saw Jesus in the most unlikely people. He says, if you've done this to the least of my brethren, then you'll be doing something for me. Mm-mm, not what he said. If you do this to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. To me. And so it's, I feel like, like that's, we have, to, uh, we have to see the glory in each other. That's, that's, that's where the glory resides, you know? And all of the other stuff that comes along with that, that's That's amazing. That's, I mean, the, the, all the stuff that we've seen here, all, you know, gold teeth and, you know, over the years, people come out of wheel, wheel, everything, you know? I'm still waiting for the dead to be raised, but we'll see it. We're going to see it. And all that is just an addition, but when we start beholding the glory in each other, that's, that's, the, that's the point. But do you ever think about Paul and his letters? Does, what, does he, what does he talk about, Paul and his letters? I, 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 if I had to imagine that he did amazing stuff, but he says, Christ in him, Christ in him crucified, and uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He doesn't really talk about a whole bunch of this other stuff. And even when he shares a crazy uh, revelation that he has, he doesn't even tell it in first person. You know? But the, we, we, my point being is that all that stuff is great, it's, it's, it's an addition. It's an overflow. It's an overflow of the glory that's within us, you know, and uh, to recognize that in each other. So the, uh, to kind of just bring it back around to entering his rest, the, the invitation that God has in Hebrews when he invites us to, to enter this rest, you know, uh, to, and he says today, don't, don't fall short like they did in the Old Testament. Don't fall short like they did in the wilderness where God told them that they'll never see those Egyptians again and they're fully delivered from Egypt, but they still had this inferior doxa, this inferior opinion about themselves like grasshoppers and they couldn't enter the rest. He says, don't fall short of that, okay? And, and, and he's talking in, now in the new covenant because Jesus said it, it is finished, it is finished, right? And he's like, look, at you've been, he's given you all things that pertain into life and godliness. He's, you know, reconciled all things. And just think of all the definitive past tense things that he says. He's like, don't fall short of this now like they did in the Old Testament to an inferior mindset. 
that, you know, you still have to work. He's, especially, he's talking to the Hebrews about, you know, the laws, and he's going back to, you know, telling them that there remains no more bulls and sacrifices like that. You can't go back to this old system now that you've heard this truth. You know, it's, it, it is finished. And so it's very interesting to me that right after Psalm 22, where Jesus, or David rather, prophetically uh, uh, pictures the crucifixion and the, the entire experience at the cross, that the next chapter, Psalm 23... The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know. Well, I'll try to do it. I'll probably paraphrase, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He takes me beside still waters and restores my soul. So it says that God in his rests in his love. So the word love, agape, the word agape, to love, again, what, what, what does love mean to people? Some people that can, they, they have a very skewed view of that, you know, uh, based on their own experiences, not their fault, not, not my fault, the way, what I thought it was before, but you, you get all the, just like the, your own experiences paint these ideas in your head of what love is. The word agape, it's two words, agu and pau. Agu and pau is the two roots. Agu, agu to lead someone like a uh, uh, shepherd leads sheep is where the, the, the original intent of the word. To lead someone like a, she- a shepherd leads sheep how to rest to lead people to rest now again you can just come over and sleep on my couch for three days straight night then you're rest up ready to go back out no that's not what he's talking about to lead someone to rest is to see them the way god saw them when he said it is very good and to see them from his perspective his value that he has is to love people and to uh and to Look at people through his eyes, through his perspective, and celebrate their completeness. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about like this. This, this is this is the kingdom. It's it's very upside down. You know, it's 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 a very kind of can be a very challenging thing to see. You know, to see things sometimes the way that God does. But it says to be renewed, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And just, again, in the, as you gaze into him and you see that's who you are at your deepest core. That's the image and likeness that you were made in. And that the glory is inside of you. And to just engage in that mirror image and you start being transformed into that image. Yeah? Uh, so I was going to put up... Um, 1 Kings 6-7. First Kings 6, 7. And so we were, when we look at this verse, it says, And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. We were born anew by the resurrection of the dead, the virgin tomb. We were born anew. And after it was finished in the, in the quarry of the cross. And can, can you imagine, like, going up and walking into the Louvre? I, I, you know, I was, anyways. Uh, walking into the Louvre in Paris and seeing probably the most iconic picture in the history of the world, the Mona Lisa, which actually I was a little disappointed about. It's like a little bit shorter than I thought it would be. It's actually not that big. It's pretty small. But going into the Louvre, and you see this, this masterpiece that it's the most iconic painting in the world. 
And you see even the signature, Leonardo da Vinci, on it. You're like, ah, I think I can make this a little bit better. And you take out your, you know, whatever, and you try to make that painting a little bit better. You try to add to perfection, you know? No no iron tool or chisels in in the temple, okay? (laughs) We, we, We can't add to completeness, but we can sure grow into awareness of it and to continue to just, again, uh, engage that mirror image that we see of Jesus, that when we see the fa- his face, and we can, uh, you know, uh, be transformed from glory, from a, a, a kind of a inferior doxa opinion, to actually see the way God sees us. There's no, there, this, is, this is where we get the passion back from with God. You know, that, that the passion that I know for years I lost because everything was law-based. And, well, I got to do this. I can't do this. I try to do this right. And I got to do this, this amount of time. And, and it just took away the romance. It's like I, what do I, I got a relationship with a book. You know, seriously. I mean, we're, we're living epistles. So that he wrote it on our hearts. I mean, this, he, it's, he want, it's such an intimate uh, uh, union that we have with God, you know. And to just allow him to woo you again. You know, like it talks about in the Song of Solomon. Don't wake, don't awake my love. Don't stir him up until love awakes. Let, it, let him woo you. You know, it's like here it is the love of God, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. Start there. Start with what he thinks. You know, and allow, be transformed by that. That's why it says like the, uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of grace. Paul was always criticized for saying the gospel was too good. That's what he was always defending, that he had to, you know, well, what are you saying, that you, just because of grace, that we should just sin to our heart's content? God forbid. No, don't you understand? You're a new creation. Don't you understand, Corinthians, that just did all this crazy stuff? Your body is the temple, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Awake to righteousness and sin not. That's the way he starts off all his epistles. This is who you are. This is who you have. This is why you're complete. The, the, uh, your death certificate, you died. You rose again with him. Therefore, husbands, love your wives. And then comes the behavior that follows identity. You know, you don't behave and now you're righteous. Now you're sanctified. Now, you know, it's, not, it's, it's the, uh, called, the, I might be getting the order wrong, but it's uh, the uh, indicative imperative, I believe, is the way that Paul taught, saying that this is everything that you have and everything that you are. Therefore, act like it, basically. Okay? So the last verse I'm going to throw up there, and what we can close with this, if we can go to uh, Exodus 14, 13. Nope, that is not it. Okay. Uh, let's see which one it was. It's not number. And now I got this on my left hand, so I can't actually use the thumbprint. That's, like, so annoying. I wish they, I got to fix it for both the hands. Anyways. Uh, okay, oh, Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 32.18. Okay, so it says, Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. Uh, the the uh, King James Version says you have forgotten the God who formed you. It's the uh, word in the King James. It actually comes from a Hebrew word, keel. 
of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who danced with you. So he's, he's saying you forgot the dance, you forgot the heartbeat, you know? From the very beginning when we had that, when we had that romance, when we had that, uh, uh, there was no law there. You were just naked and unashamed and we, we, we celebrated the creation. We celebrated your perfection and we danced together in that just jubilant joy of spinning around. I love the word that it constantly uses in the Bible, spinning around and just enjoy and celebrating perfection. You've forgotten that dance and you've forgotten the heartbeat of God. So, can you, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was going to uh, close with that and just see if we can, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting listening to, uh, Zach, if you're able to, uh, listening to uh, kind of Celtic Christianity that I've, I've studied a lot. I've, I've read, you know, Catholics and Episcopalians and uh, Celtic Christianity and a lot of these things that people have a lot of gems in this stuff, you know what I mean? And, uh, and they were so, like the uh, Celts were very just in tune with the creation and the, and the heartbeat of God. And, you know, uh, how, uh, you know, Paul says that uh, the whole creation stands on tiptoe waiting to see the manifestation of the sons of God. And so what I've come to find out is that a lot of like peoples all throughout history that, you know, especially I th- I, uh, uh, like Native Americans with the drums, it was to, to sink the heart with, with, with God, you know, to, to, again, the creator, to sink the heartbeat of God and come back in tune with that whole relationship, with that whole dance uh, that Jesus has redeemed in us. And, and, and we're in synergy with God, guys. We're, we're in synergy with God. You know, it says that we, uh, the Lord works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, you know, and it's, it's again, awakening to who you are and what you have in your union with God that you start trusting more of yourself and you start uh, walking back in that synergic dance. Uh, so really what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to try to like just go back to that dance. Now, I, I, I hate dancing. I don't dance. I'm not going to dance. You won't see me dance, at least not in the regard that, you know, we're talking about. But what, what does that look like to you? You know, for me, I, I just like to sit there and, and just engage my mind with God. And, that, and that's my, you know, but we're just going to kind of start off with a little bit of that, trying to, uh, the, the drums, that, the heartbeat of God, and, and just uh, imagining ourselves again in that, uh, that state of rest. Guys, you can do more than you ever did in rest. It's not means that you're not doing nothing. It's just that everything that you do has a lot of whack on it, and you get a lot done. You know, when you're living in his rest from his perspective— it's, it's, and you fall back in love again, it just becomes much, much more productive, whatever you do, you know? And, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I know that there's times I've, I've been in my house pretty much for the last three weeks. I, I've, I've needed that, that type of rest, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but, uh, what God is talking about when he enters this Sabbath that he says, enter back in today, enter enter my rest. He wants us to join him to see things the way he sees us, you know, to see from his perspective where he never, he never punched back into work. He's been inviting humanity into that. And he says, the Israelites never entered it, but there is a rest today. And if you don't get it today, guess what? Tomorrow's going to be today. And the next day is going to be today. So that's this constant beckoning 
to enter, enter my rest. See things the way I see. Repent. Go to the high place. See things uh, the, from the way I see them. Because in his faith, in his faith, the just shall live by his faithfulness. When we remain faithless, he remains faithful. And just to continue to just try to flow in that uh, uh, kind of in our beingness, in our I amness. You know, it, uh, uh, the last thing, I, I'm sorry, I just got it. When it says that uh, uh, in John chapter 1, it says that uh, those who, oh, he came to his own and they didn't identify, they didn't recognize him. But those to who did identify with him, that did receive him, he gave power to become children of God. The word receive is lambano. It's that he came to his own, he came to his own image, the Imago Dei, and they didn't recognize, they didn't identify with him. But those who, Lombano, those who identified with him, he gave them didomi. He gave something that they already had. He returned. He returned to them their I amness as children of God, their, 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 that relationship. He returned out of, uh, out of the creator. We were, we, we've, everyone's an image bearer. We were all made, we all come from one father. Then that's what Jesus is saying when he says, you know, uh, do you pay taxes? You know, they wanted to catch him in a yes and no answer. Well, let me see a coin. Whose image is that on the coin? Well, it's Caesar's. Okay, well, then that belongs to Caesar's. What image are you had? Because you are living from the father of lies right now. And he's not, he hasn't spawned anything. He hasn't created anything. He hasn't owned anything. Because lost, if something's lost, it shows that there's an owner, and it's certainly not him. It's, he owns all the cattle on whatever, 100 fields or 100 cattle on a field. I don't know. He owns the whole thing. And those people that are lost shows that they've always belonged in the first place. And so he says, render to God the image that you bear, render to God what is God's. So, uh, so yeah. So, guys, again, so I'm going to just ask... Uh, uh, Zach to kind of just do uh, a little heartbeat type thing with, with drums and uh, to, you know, what, what, is, what does dancing look like to you? Uh, to, you know, if you want to spin around, that's pretty, that's pretty wild, you know, like a, like a, you know, just whirling around, you know, that's, that's what like David did, except leave everything on. But, you know, what, what does dancing look like to you? Like I said, you're not going to see me. I, I, I just, man, I'm dancing in my head. All right. It's all, it's all up there. Uh, but if you, you know, yeah, hold on. <laughs> when he originally talked about doing the rest of God, we just came around to the heartbeat. And it really just flows in from that dance. That's his heartbeat is the rhythm of the dance. Um, and as I was, as I was really meditating on this the other day, the Lord really brought me to that place of of the heartbeat when when we're in the womb and so do you know that when babies are in the womb their heart sinks with the mother's heart and so one of the ways that they, they can actually determine if something's wrong with the baby is because the heart is not in sync with the mother so I feel like what he's talking about with there being a rhythm, with the, the heartbeat, listening to the heartbeat of God, because it's here. 
It's in everything. He fills all in all, in all. And so just listening and remembering, the earth groans for us to remember. In order to remember, we have to have a memory of a heartbeat, right? And so right now, we're just, we just want to lead you into this dance, this rhythm. It's actually so, it's so much more natural for us to be in the rhythm of his heart. It's actually really hard to be outside of that. It's, it's, your, it's, it's, it's unnatural, right? So we're just getting back. Like so many people are just out of that rhythm, and he's just he's beckoning, and he's calling us back to his heart. Be in the rhythm of my heart. This is a dance. This life is a dance with me. Just listen, listen. And I'm, before, we, before we engage in that, I just want to give a shout-out to Cindy because I had a conversation with her not too long ago, and she, I remember somehow this got brought up, and we were like, if you could go anywhere, if you could, could be any, in any place, where would you be? And she says, honey, I'd be in a recliner in the center of, of Papa's heart. <laughs> So if you can just engage right now with this sound, his heart, right now, we're just, we're, we're already in synergy, we're already synced in, where we're just going to be listening and in tune with that right now. Yes, we thank you, Father. We thank you for your heart.
God, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you desire for us to just see, to repent and see things the way that you do, to just live from your perspective, God. We thank you for all the people that gather today, God, on this uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I just pray that we can enjoy each other, that we can see the glory uh, in our family and friends that we, uh, you know, are participating in this event with, if, for people that do. And God, that we would just uh, continue to live out of the fullness, out of the overflow. Lord, I just thank you for all things and uh, give you the glory in Jesus' name. If, God, if anybody needs prayer, you know, I'd uh, love to pray with, with anybody that needs it. Yeah, could could you guys just continue for a little bit longer? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say like if you if you need to leave, you can leave, but if you want to still stay here and engage in that place, you, you you can come out here, you can just feel free to move to um I don't know, whatever you if you need to see a manifestation of something in your life because rest is believing what God believes about us, that everything is finished, that everything is ours. We have everything, all of our inheritance. So if you need to see a manifestation of something in your life, come up here. Come up here. Be a part of, of this, this heartbeat and, and, and stand and, and, and rest in a posture of rest here, and we're standing with you. All right. God bless everybody.